Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and we are here to talk about all the things that went on in the Big Ten this weekend. We had six games, and six exciting games, right? Most of these games were pretty close, except for one game, and we'll make sure we talk about that. But most of these games are really exciting, games that had some excitement factor all throughout, and it was really, really fun to watch them, and we want to talk about them with you today. We are joined by Russ from the Boiler Express podcast and Alec from the What's Choppin' podcast. I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves and tell you where they can find them. Russ, tell them about yourself. Yeah, so uh, we are Boiler Express Podcast. We are a Purdue-based basketball and football podcast. We do talk about a little bit other sports and other things going on in the country, but uh, there's five of us over there. We have a lot of fun with it. You can find us uh, at Boiler underscore Express. Uh, We're on X or Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. So come check it out. All right. Thanks, Russ. Alec, you want to tell people where they can find you? Sure, sure. So I am the one-man wrecking crew known as the What's Chopping Podcast, all about Rutgers football. Uh, you can find us on social media at What's Chopping Pod and then also at the What's Chopping Podcast at all uh, podcasting platforms. Be sure to listen in. We got uh, took, a, took a little bit of a, uh, a – I don't want to say a break, but got a little bit behind on stuff. But now the conference play is really ramping up. Going to get back into it. Got a lot of good guests, of course, from our network that we have here for the rest of the Big Ten schedule, so be sure to check it out. For sure, and we have a ton of Rutgers fans that chime in here. I think I made a tweet one time about how their offensive line was rather good, and boom, Rutgers fans love to follow, so I think they're listening in. Uh, Rutgers fans, if you want to uh, Rutgers podcast to go follow. Alec definitely has you covered there. Okay, let's get into the the games this week. Our first game that we'll get into, Maryland at Ohio State. It was 37-17. to 17. The the final score didn't really indicate how close this game was throughout, right? It was 10-10 10 to 10 at halftime. Ohio State was kind of struggling there in the very first quarter. I think they had something like 28 yards, which is really not uh, what you would come to expect from a Ryan Day team. And ultimately, they just didn't look like the better team for the first half. Maryland looked like their team they were playing much better Alec what were some of your thoughts on this game yeah I mean you said it yourself it was much closer than the final score indicated there was just a couple things that went wrong uh, from Maryland the pick six from Talia Tagovailo towards the end of that first half and then the really big blunder at the end of the half was that I guess couldn't get the spike down or something like they just couldn't get the snap off at the end of the first half and they were in the red zone so that was a huge missed opportunity and at the end of the day I mean Ohio State is just a more talented team at this point. Kyle McCord really showed up in the second half, really helped lead that team to victory, even when the run game wasn't as efficient. So I thought he did a great job in stepping up. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still impressed with Maryland, even if they lost. I did say on Twitter that I would put them at uh, number one if they won, thanks to the Turtleheads podcast, also part of the Big Bands Network. So they didn't, so I didn't have to do that. But still, I'm very impressed by them. Um, but Ohio State, they need to get going a little bit sooner than they have in some of these games. And I think, I think they have the talent and the coaching to do so, but um, yeah, I very impressed by Maryland, even though they lost by 20 and Ohio state just got to, you know, get going a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Russ, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah. Could uh Travion Henderson take another week off? Uh, Cause that would be swell. Uh, the OSU rushing game definitely looked a little rough uh, without him. Um, and the cord, Definitely did not look like a world beater by any means, um, you know. But OSU still pulled away in the second half. It seems like they do that that with some of the lesser opponents. Um, when you have those poor man Duke opponents in your conference, um, you just got to take care of them in the second half. Um, but uh, yeah, they still look like one of the 
clear three teams, I think, at the top of the conference. And, you know, they'll get to prove it or not against Penn State, especially this week or not this week, next week um, in Michigan. You know, they'll have to put their money where their mouth is. But, yeah, like Alex said, they can't start slow like they did against Indiana, like they did against Maryland, um, against those teams because they'll make them pay. So, but, you know, they, they definitely look like a, a still a top three team in the conference for sure. Yeah, I think uh, my thing with Ohio State is that the run blocking just isn't there. Um, you know, I think Travion Henderson has a lot of speed to get to the outside. And I know Ohio State fans, you know, me being one of them, are often very critical of Travion Henderson bouncing it too often. Um, but this game, I just I saw Chip Trainum try to just, you know, get right through the middle, find a hole and just barrel through it, which, you know, is fine. In most circumstances, you want to see somebody just get the yards that are there. Um, but he just doesn't have Travion Henderson's speed to be able to get to the outside, bounce it, and make those things happen when the run blocking isn't there, which credits Maryland. Maryland, they did a good job. I don't think it was all Ohio State not doing a good job. I think Maryland did a good job on defense. They were able to stop the run better than I think they were most other times in other games, which varying to level of competition, right? Um, so I was impressed by them in that front, um, but Really, it, it just came down to Ohio State secondary. Ohio State secondary took on uh, TT and, and made sure that he wasn't going to be the factor that beat him in this game. Um, TT's one of the best uh, quarterbacks in this conference. He's either the best or the second best. I don't know. It's really hard to tell when you don't see J.J. McCarthy playing anybody yet. I do think he's probably the best, but I think we just need to see him play somebody first. Um, but to see the Ohio State secondary show up against them, it was uh, it was encouraging and, and uh, for an Ohio State fan, it was encouraging, and I think Ohio State, it's going to be an uphill climb to try and beat Penn State and Michigan this year just because, you know, those teams are very good. Um, but, I mean, you guys tell me, Alec, am I being too critical saying that Ohio State probably not going to be able to beat Michigan or Penn State this year and they're kind of just a third man out, or what are your thoughts on that? Um, It's tough because really all three of them, haven't played too tough of a schedule. Michigan really hasn't played anybody, like you said. I mean, Ohio State, they beat Notre Dame. Um, but, of course, that can be attributed to some real blunders by Notre Dame. And then they ended up losing to Louisville last night, too. So it's kind of tough to say um, because I, neither team, none of the teams have – Penn State's looked really dominant at times. I'll give them that. But Ohio State and Michigan haven't looked too dominant. They looked really good against Minnesota last night, and we'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. but. I think it's a little bit too soon. It feels weird to say it's a little bit too soon to say uh, six weeks into the season, but I guess we'll see more a little bit when they really start to get into the season when they face each other, obviously. For sure. Russ, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, we talked a little bit before we came on that there's critical fans in every fan base. And, you know, there are things that are true that, that would make you worry as an Ohio State fan that you can't compete with Michigan or Penn State this year. But, you know, if I was an Ohio State fan, you know, worry about that when that day comes because you'll have that time when you're on the field and all you got to do is be better for that 60 minutes. Doesn't matter what's happened before that. And so I think you guys still have a chance. But yeah, looking at the evidence that's before you, I can understand the thought process that you might be a step behind so far. But, you know, it, it's one Saturday. You, you got to be better for one Saturday and that's all that matters. So. 
For sure, for sure. Uh, and I do want to make sure we give some love to Maryland, too, because this Maryland team, they, they look really good. Um, of course, against Ohio State. Ohio State, obviously, like you guys said, talent just kind of won out in that game. But uh, they did look good in the first half, and they made sure that they were able to uh, st- stick with them for three quarters for the most part. Um, Russ, you tell me. Are we looking at a Maryland team that's probably going to go 9-3, and 8-4? and four, Or do you think this Maryland team, maybe Ohio State, showed some weaknesses and they're going to kind of go downhill? Um, I, I think you, you'll still see eight and four, nine and three. And that's actually, I think I had them at nine and three before the season anyways. Um, but you know, they definitely exposed some things for sure. Uh, especially in that second half, but Maryland is, you know, they are, they're all kind of like on that second level, um, in the big 10. I, I don't agree necessarily that they're the clear cut fourth team, fourth best team in the big 10, like a lot of people are saying, but they are, they're a top half team and, you know, I think they did deserve to be ranked maybe going into this week, and they showed that in the first half, but um, they just aren't quite there on the level of, you know, the high states, Penn States, or Michigans. Definitely deserve to be ranked over Kentucky. I think that's for sure, <laughs> especially the way they played against Georgia. Uh, Alec, what do you think? Nine to three, eight and four, worse. What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, I think that's a fair prediction. Um, I definitely, I, I agree, especially, I don't know what the heck Miami is doing being ranked, but you know, that's, that, that's a conversation for another day. I'm looking at their schedule right now. They got Illinois next week and then they have a bye, and then they face Northwestern. I think they'll handily win both of those games. Then the big test comes against Penn state. Uh, so that's going to be a really big game. November 4th. I really think they can, other than Penn state, I really think nine and three is a good ceiling for them. Like you guys were saying, I just don't think they have the talent just yet to get over the hump of Penn State and Michigan, which is such as life when you're in the Big Ten East, although that's going away pretty soon, thankfully, as a Rutgers fan as well. Thank goodness. But, yeah, I think 9-3 and three is a good ceiling for them. I think they have a clear advantage in pretty much all except for the remain- for those two games being against Penn State and Michigan. I think 9-3 and three would be good. And then if they get into a bowl game and face, say, like a Big 12 team that they can beat off of their own talent, 10-3, and three, I think that's a really good year for Mike Loxley. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, we had Jordan Monk on from the Turtleheads podcast to preview the game with Chris Wilds, and he made a good point. Loxley has improved one win each year he's been there, and so nine and three would continue that uh, trend of doing that. Now I don't know if they get to ten and two the year after that, but you know that's a really good trend and really uh, inspiring for the fan base. So, all right, let's move on to Purdue versus Iowa. Purdue scores fourteen. Iowa scores twenty. Um, Deacon Hill did not complete a single pass to a receiver. Iowa's O-line looked far better than they looked all season long. I don't know uh, what this Iowa team is. It's really, really strange. Um, Purdue, Hudson Card was just back there, and he, he just seemed like he was running for his life most of the game. They had good offensive success when he wasn't running for his life, but uh, it was just it was a really weird game, and Iowa came out on top. Russ, what were your thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, interesting you say when he wasn't running for his life because that's one of the common uh, comments that's made within our pods thread is if we could just protect Card, you know, he could be a very good quarterback. Uh, but this game, you know, obviously it's frustrating to do within a one-score game and, and be on the, the losing end of that, um, especially when we win pretty much every major statistic. Um, you know, first downs, we beat them 21-12. to 12. Uh, Third down percentage, you know, we converted 9 of 19. They were 3 of 13. Um, that's usually been a, a indicator of whether we're going to win a game or lose a game so far this year, and that that wasn't so. Um, total yards three forty three to two ninety one, passing yards two forty seven to one ten, um, and rushing yards they obviously got us there. But if you take away the 
kind of shot at a cannon 67 yard run, it's 96 to 114. So you're kind of in the same ballpark. Um, but uh, yeah, Caleb Jansen, Caleb Johnson, basically that that was the difference in the game. Really, that 67 yard touchdown. If he doesn't get that, you know, we're looking at a, a, obviously a much closer game. And you know, on the scoreboard, if you take off seven points, that means we win by a point. But um, yeah, Card's a warrior. Um, you know, he has to wonder though if he can get any help from the officials. Uh, we were actually commenting on a couple of the, the shots that were late. You know, one that was out of bounds that the commentators were like, "Hey, that probably should have been a late hit." Um, he had the throwaway where he's like basically horizontal throwing it away and he gets it off. Uh, but they call him down by contact. And upon review, you can see that he wasn't down by contact, but then they come back after commercial and say, Oh, you can't actually review that. And that takes us out of field goal range. Um, so there were a few calls like that, that it could have extended a drive in a game like that. That's that close that Iowa just likes to shorten the game by running the ball and keep the clock moving and, and, and lower the number of possessions. You know, those calls are, are very critical and huge, but um, you know, as a Purdue fan, I'm still, on the optimistic side of things, um, you know, I had us as eight and four before the season and this was a loss. So it wasn't, this was kind of a game where I would have liked to have it, but I, I didn't see us winning it necessarily going into the season. Um, so, you know, and the other thing about card is, you know, a lot of people have talked about card being the veteran guy, but Altmeyer or somebody else in the West is, is kind of the up and comer and maybe the good quarterback that could develop. Well, cards got two more years after this year as well. And he only started, what five or six games coming into the season. So as, as good as he's looked, he's got room to develop. And if we can protect him going into you know the next year or two, I think our offense could be that much better and actually run efficiently being able to protect him. So, yeah. Yeah. I think card is a better quarterback than people give him credit for. I think personally, I think he's probably the best quarterback in the West. <clears throat> uh, I think Altmeyer could be there if he had a better offensive line, but I think card, I really, really like card and I think he's a good player. I quick note before we get to Alec, I did, think about the Bryce Young play last year when he was in the end zone throwing the ball away when uh when Hudson Carter was throwing the ball away during that play because of course they give it to Bryce Young you know the the former Heisman winner but then when it comes to Hudson Carter it's like oh no no way he was down by con I just I looked at that and I thought to myself we have to we have to find some consistency here you know these were I think those were either SEC or Big 12 refs in that game. And then we have Big 10 refs here. And uh, I just, I was astounded by that as well. I don't know if it would have made a huge difference in the game, but like you said, you know, limiting possessions, it could have made, could have made a big difference. So, Alec, what were your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it is really tough to see Purdue lose that game. I mean, a lot of advantages they had, you know, like, like, uh, like, like Russ was saying, they had some advantages in yards. You know, you take away the long run by Caleb Johnson. But unfortunately, just some of the things like sacks and turnovers just couldn't you know, get there. And that's one of the things that Kirk Ferentz lives on, getting those turnovers and big plays on defense. Um, and I do find it really funny that, you know, Iowa just cannot complete a pass to a wide receiver. They just didn't do it all game. I mean, that's just absolutely wild to me. Yeah. But, I mean, first game without uh, Cade, Mac- uh, Cade McNamara, it, went, it didn't go too bad. Obviously, you want to see some more, a little bit more than 110 yards on six completions, but – if you're Iowa, you're moving forward. Just you're five and one now, so things are obviously looking up. You just got to keep moving forward. And if you're Purdue, yeah, it's it's a it's not a great loss, but I feel like you just got to move on from here. I mean, you got really tough game up ahead against Ohio State. Not sure how that one's going to go, but there are some wins in this schedule. You got Nebraska. That's going to be a toss up game off the bye, I think. Uh, and then you got Michigan, and then Minnesota, and then Northwestern and Indiana. I think they could squeeze out three four more wins maybe if i'm looking at the schedule right now so just got to keep moving forward and card has definitely shown some flashes in his time at purdue um 
but like Russ said, you just got to be able to protect him because six sacks, that's not going to do it. Uh, but he did look good when he had protection. So definitely some optimism, even in a close loss. You just got to keep moving forward. And especially since this was, it just feels like a little bit of a transition year. Um, but I think they'll get better from here. I think so too. And I think they have the right guy too. I saw some Purdue fans on Twitter questioning Ryan Walters a couple weeks ago. Um, and I, I get it, you know, new coach, you'd like to see kind of that umph, but man, I, from an outsider looking in, I just, I look at Ryan Walters and I say, man, if I was Purdue, I would be really, really happy with having Ryan Walters. He seems like a good coach. He seems like he's cool and he's going to be able to make the decisions that need to be made. And he brought in Hudson card to kind of transition them into where they are. I mean, not every first time coach could, bring in a guy like that I mean he was a top 10 quarterback in the transfer portal to bring him in and make that happen so um you know I I do think it's better than maybe some Purdue fans I've seen uh give a give it credit for uh, I do want to ask you guys because I heard somebody asked me this the other day uh after the game they asked at uh this morning they asked me they said what would Iowa be with like 60th or 50th offense like just a barely above average offense what would they be? I mean, would because they're probably going to go what you know ten and two, nine and three this year, maybe an eleven and one. They could. Um, I mean, <laughs> you guys tell me, would this team be looking at being a top three, top four team in the Big Ten, maybe even a top two team if they just had an above average offense? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think of some of the years that Alabama maybe didn't have the big name offensive pieces, uh, but they had the dominant defense like that. That's how good it could be for Iowa if they could just have a halfway decent offense that their defense always seems to be like one of the top 10 in the country and one of the top two or three in our conference. But their offense, I mean, like you said, they couldn't complete a pass to a wide receiver. I mean, this is in today's football like you can't you know, if you can't do that. I mean, that's I know it's Big Ten football, but times are changing. You know, we got four teams out west that aren't playing that style of football that, you know, I don't I don't know that that's going to work. So. I just I love the stark difference of you have Iowa who can't complete a pass to wide receiver and wins the game still somehow, and then you have Ohio State who has had what three wide receivers drafted in the first round. It's like <laughs> if they just shared a little bit, Iowa could really help <laughs> you know, the Big Ten. But uh, it, it's it's interesting to me. Uh, never change Iowa. We we love your Big Ten brand of ball. <laughs> so all right, Alec, let's get into your game. Rutgers at Wisconsin. Wisconsin wins this one 24 to thirteen. Um, it was kind of getting a little bit out of hand there, but then Rutgers was coming back with a drive late in the in the first half. Uh, of course, that ninety five yard interception return for a touchdown was was heartbreaking. Um, you just feel like I was watching that game a little bit because I saw the hot state game on, but you just feel like kind of the energy out of the team just like dropped in that moment. I felt really bad uh, for Rutgers there. Alec, what were your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, you had it right there. That entire game flipped on its head after the pick six. At the end of the first half, it was not a good play call. It was not a good decision, and it was really not a good throw by Gavin Wimsett. He just can't make that throw. You know, Rutgers ran pretty much that exact same play against Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago and got a touchdown to Christian Dremel. Same route, concept, same target, different result. Yeah, the game really flipped on its head because let's say that ball falls incomplete. At best, you're getting another touchdown, so you're making it, let's see, it was what? seven it was I think it was like 10 nothing at that point you're making a 10-7 going into the half and you get the ball so you can maybe put on some more points there at the very least get a field goal or something like that then yeah you're right back into the game or you know even if they can't get a touchdown at that drive at the end of the first half you're still 10-3 close ball game again you get the ball out of the half but 
that just like that pick six really felt like the game was over right then and there. And they did a good job of fighting to get back into the game in the second half, putting the other two touchdown drives. Um, I was very happy with that last one, especially even if it, the game was a little bit out of reach, like you said at that point. But yeah, that pick six really just flipped the whole game on its head. The defense played well enough to win once again. You know, they really got a lot of pressure on Tanner Mordecai. I thought the secondary did a pretty good job playing against that different kind of air raid spread type offense that Phil Longo loves to run pretty much the exact opposite of whatever Iowa attempts to do on offense. Um, Braylon Allen was good. He was, he was good, uh, but I felt like he wasn't a game breaker. He had that touchdown in the first half, but other than that felt like he was just kind of not, not, like I said, not really breaking the game wide open. So the defense played really well, but the offense was definitely a, a pretty big concern. Uh, Gavin was missing a lot of throws He's just sailing a bunch of even some open guys. You just sailed the ball. So that's got to get fixed up. Um, also, the offensive line struggled. The run game struggled again. Second time in Big Ten play that that's happened. So they got to get that going. But thankfully, they go up against an easier opponent in Michigan State this week. Uh, definitely not as good on defense. And their offense are going through a quarterback change right now, I think. Um, they haven't officially announced it yet, but it seems like the tea leaves is saying that Noah Kim's going to get benched and then Kaden Hauser is going to come in. And homecoming weekend, and I mean the the environment is all there for Rutgers to stop Michigan State. I don't know if they will, but the environment's all there. And this doesn't really have anything to do with football, but it's a big weekend in New Brunswick next weekend because last night it came out that a little recruit by the name of Dylan Harper from bas- from the basketball side will be taking his official visit next weekend to Rutgers. So uh, he's going to be joining the entire twenty four recruiting class that's already committed. Them being Fellow five-star Ace Bailey and then four stars uh, Bryce Dorch, Lathan Somerville, and then three-star Dylan Grant, as well as 2025 five-star recruit Shay McKinney. So it's a big weekend. So Rutgers has really got to show up, adjust to some things that went wrong. Um, and, yeah, the environment's got to be there. And I think it will be for homecoming because homecoming is always a great place on cam- uh, place to be on campus for football. So they really got to get it going, and I think they will this weekend. Yeah, that's uh that's huge for records. I know the basketball program is really elevating, uh, kind of leading that football program to elevate as well. So that's huge for them. Uh, Russ, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, Purdue fans are going through pain in football, and then you got to bring up Rutgers basketball and uh, remind us of some of that that history with oh, Purdue basketball. You got Zach so. Eady. Appreciate you that. Got Zach Eady back. You're fine. <laughs> we all wish we could have oh, a Zach yeah, Eady yeah. on our team, Russ. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But we'll never forget. That Harper shot, I mean, that's, you know, we won't Uh, forget it for sure. But, um, yeah, no, um, you know, I actually, I wrote down a couple records. Um, Rutgers is one in five against the West in the last two years, and Maryland is two and four. So I know Rutgers and Maryland are are those teams that are like, man, I'm so glad when the divisions go away, and I'm so glad when we don't have to keep playing the big three. And, you know, I do think that they're right there with some of those programs in the West. Um, As you saw at the end of this game, you know, it's I think it's like that Purdue-Iowa game where – you feel like the game's not that close and you look at the end of the game at the score and you go, man, if one or two plays went a different direction, we could have been in a different spot. But, um, you know, I think that Wisconsin itself, they'll go as far as Braylon Allen can take him. I don't think Mordecai is the the world beater is hyped up um, to be coming into the season. Um, he's serviceable. I think he does definitely add something people didn't expect with his legs. Um, he's definitely been more formal there, but um, he's not he's not a world beater passer. Um, I do think that they're still probably the front runner in the West. Um, you know, Iowa's probably gonna have something to say about that, but, um, you know, Rutgers, you know, I, I, I think they're on the way up kind of like Maryland too, maybe, maybe a step behind them. 
Um, but you know, this new realignment will give them a chance to, to really see where their program can go for sure. Um, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, Michigan state's a good remedy for coming off this loss. Um, IU after that as well, um, to get ready for that Ohio state, Iowa, you know, Penn state, Maryland finish where that's really going to decide, is this a, a six win Rutgers team or is this an eight win Rutgers team? So, so, um, yeah. I'm excited to see Rutgers in a bowl game. If they can take care of business against Michigan State and Indiana, which, like you said, Alec, they should be able to take care of business against those two teams. Uh, We're looking at a Rutgers uh, bowl game team, which is interesting to me, and I'm excited to see them go out of the conference and play uh, another team. You you did beat, um, what was it, Temple and Virginia Tech and Wagner in the out-of-conference, so um, that's that's really cool. But to see them one more game out-of-conference I think would be really interesting. Another note on Tanner Mordecai is I feel like he should be like – and I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I say this. It just it, it popped into my mind when I was watching him the other day. He should be kind of like an off-brand version of Drake May, right? He kind of has the running ability. He kind of has some of the same um, uh, throwing. I don't really know how to describe it. He kind of throws the ball to s- similar to how Drake May does. So in ideally, he should be a good fit for Phil Longo. But then I watch the games and I think to myself, I don't know if he's the best fit possible you know Braylon Allen seems like a perfect fit for what Phil Longo likes to do and and it looked like things were really bad with Chesma Lucy gone but now uh, Jackson Aker has has come in and he's basically doing what Chesma Lucy was doing uh, to a certain extent at least production wise and it's really interesting to me to see Tanner Mordecai just not really fit into this offense the way that I thought he might and again that's not really a knock on him I'm not trying to say he's he's bad or anything like that but he's just not fitting the way that I thought he might and it kind of seems to be a hiccup in in this offense so we'll see how it goes from there but all right we got another game to talk about before we do that we want to remind you please do like and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening on podcast please do follow us there and give us a rating as well we appreciate that uh, we appreciate your feedback and it does help spread the podcast and let people know more about us all right I Next game is Michigan at Minnesota. Michigan manhandles Minnesota 52 to 10. Uh, Michigan is 6 and 0, one of the top teams in the country, currently ranked number 2. Minnesota is 3 and 3, uh just kind of struggling a little bit. They lost to Northwestern. This this game against Michigan really getting blown out here for Michigan's biggest win of the season doesn't seem promising. Uh Russ, what were your thoughts with this one? Yeah, so this is some of that evidence that I think you were talking about earlier as a high state fan that feels like maybe they don't have the the guns to stand with Michigan this year. But uh, yeah, they just continue to dominate. Um, they look like the best team in the country. I put them at number one uh, this week in my top twenty five uh, for the first time, and it's it's even more impressive that no one player had to do too much to even look at that 52 to 10 score, you know, you, you look at that score and you think, okay, someone in the box score is going to have three touchdowns, 150 yards, something crazy. You know, maybe JJ McCarthy had a huge day throwing the ball, but no McCarthy didn't even hit 250 passing yards. Quorum only had nine carries for 69 yards. Um, You know, two pick sixes on defense, obviously do a lot to take the ease off your offense, but um, you know, this is more that evidence, you know, for you Purdue fans that are worried and think this guy's falling that, the, the West does not look that impressive. You know, Michigan beat them like they were playing Central Michigan, you know. So, um, yeah, Michigan definitely looks like the best team in the country and and would would worry me as a Ohio State fan or even a Penn State fan um, or even a Georgia fan, you know, uh, until this last week. I don't think Georgia fan were, fans were too confident about their chances. So, 
Um, yeah. Yeah, they they look really good, and I'm right there with you, Russ. I hate to do it, but I put them number one, too. If I'm just being objective and being honest, I, I tweeted out during that game, I said, Michigan's going to win the national championship. And I'm not trying to jinx them, but they legitimately look like the team who's going to win the national championship. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it is, and I know they haven't played anybody. That's what everybody says. And, and I'm not trying to turn into a Michigan defender here. I don't want to be the Michigan defender guy, believe me. But at a certain <laughs> point, like, when you just manhandle everybody you play, even without your head coach for three games, and don't get me wrong, those three games were not excellent opponents, but uh, they were also were not all terrible. Uh, UNLV is looking, you know, serviceable right now. Um, when you just completely manhandle every single team you play, I don't know if there's another team out there that can say that they have done that with every team that they played throughout. Oklahoma kind of has some of those final scores, but they even struggled against Iowa State a little bit in the first half. So, um, Alec, what were your thoughts with this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. They really just completely dominated this game. It feels like the boat's starting to sink a little bit. Uh, they really struggled this season. Like you said, the, the loss to the loss to Northwestern was not good. Um, granted, this game was maybe a little bit more expected to be a loss for Minnesota. I thought they would at least keep up for a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it like Russ was saying, it didn't even look like in the box score either. I mean, it was just a workmanlike game that Michigan has done over and over and over again across really the past three seasons. They've been able to just dominate their opponent, their opponents, and yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to say they look like one of the best teams in the country. I didn't put them at number one, just because I'm waiting to see them dominate a team that I guess I'm expecting. I'm not expecting them to dominate, um, but I definitely thought about it this week. I decided to cause chaos in my in my my uh, my poll last week by by putting Florida State and Washington at, at the top, and I'm I'm still doing that this week just to cause some more chaos, but. Um, yeah, I think coming up next week, I think if they dominate once again, I think it would be hard not to put them in number one, or at least in the top two. I know they're playing Indiana, but Indiana has a tough defense. So if they can dominate once again, it'll be hard not to deny, it'll be hard to deny them a top spot. And yeah, as for Minnesota, I mean, the wheels are starting to fall off. The boat's starting to sink. Things are not looking good. This offense has struggled. Ethan Kaliakmanis has not looked good this year. So they're really going to have to get it together. Otherwise, things could get ugly in a hurry. And there's something that we have in our in our in our Rutgers circles. It's 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 not really realistic, but it's like a fun conspiracy theory. You know, if PJ Fleck gets fired, um, Kirk Shiraka maybe gets a job somewhere else as a head coach or an offensive coordinator at an SEC job. You know, Dave Brock or wide receivers coach gets promoted to offensive coordinator. Maybe we could bring back PJ Fleck as a position coach. But that's just a fun little conspiracy that we can dream about. But for now, yeah, Minnesota really needs to get it together. That was actually where I was going to go next. I was going to kind of get you guys' pulse. I had Ski U, uh, the Ski U pod on a few weeks, about a month ago, I think, actually. And I, I asked them up front, I said, are, are you guys happy with P.J. Fleck? Do you think P.J. Fleck you know, needs to be fired or on the hot seat or anything? And they were adamant, no. No, he's never beaten Iowa. Um, and I can I have his records here in front of me. I can read them. But, I mean, Russ, just from an outside perspective looking in, um, if you're a Minnesota fan, are you happy with PJ Fleck? Are you concerned? Are you thinking maybe hot seat? Are you kind of in the middle there? What are your thoughts, Russ? Well, um, I think they they kind of made the comment too that it's not been great for Minnesota football before PJ Fleck, and I think that's what's bought him a little more time, a little more goodwill. Um, but I think with the addition of these four West Coast teams, um, it's it's going to 
the rubber's going to meet the road. You know, if, if he starts turning in some four and eight seasons, then I don't know how many of those he's going to be able to sustain. But, um, yeah, I think he's got at least another year or two to get it turned around. And uh, like Alex said, if if that boat can't stop taking on water, then, yeah, he's he's done. Yeah. Interesting. So, Alec, where, where are you at with it? You think that he is in trouble or you think it's like, no, this guy has had nine wins – He's had at least, let's see, 9-4, 9-4, 11-2. They hadn't had a nine-win season since 2013 when Glenn Mason was there. He was 10-3, and and he's had three seasons with nine or more wins since he's been there. Uh, Where are you at with it, Alec? Uh, Yeah, I mean, as a fellow fan of a program that has not experienced a ton of long-term success until the current guy was there, it's hard to fault them. It's hard to fault Minnesota fans. And I know you mentioned the ski U pod, having them on talking about it to be like, you know, this guy has really brought us to great heights. Why would we get rid of him when he's shown the capability to do that? But here is my thing, you know, without Kirk Shiraka, the offensive coordinator, that's now Rutgers. I've, I've mentioned him before, obviously, but it's, it hasn't been great. He spent that one year at Penn state and the team really struggled. Then they brought him back and they were back to being really good again. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how this offense looks because with Joe Rossi manning the defense, who's also a former Rutgers defensive coordinator, by the way, these teams love the, the two, these two schools love to trade back and forth when it comes to football coaches. Um, I I'm holding out a little bit of hope. If I'm a Minnesota fan to see how the offense progresses. I agree with Ross. I give them a year or two more. And if they continue to struggle like this, they're just going to have to be, some really tough conversations. So I think we'll see how he fares without Kirk Shiraka running the offense because they had some of their best success with him running the show on offense with Tanner Morgan and, you know, and that, you know, dominant running game with Mo Ibrahim. So I'm willing to give it a year or two more, but if that offense can't get it around, then you might have to start looking somewhere else. Yeah. And I do, I do look at this new expanded big 10 and I look at Minnesota and it's a hard distinction to make because I look at teams like Purdue Russ and I say, I think Purdue is one of the teams that can survive in this new big 10, especially with where Ryan Walters is taking them. And if they can get a good QB play like Hudson card coming in there, I think that they will be able to, to do well in this new big 10. I'm not saying they're going to win it, uh, you know, year after year, but, to be able to to win games and to be above 500 and, and make bowl games and then have that every other year, like last year where you guys made the Big Ten Championship and, and moving up where that kind of stuff happens. Uh, I don't know if I see that with Minnesota. Just the style of play and some of the decisions that P.J. Fleck has kind of made in there, I don't, I don't know if I see it. Um, I'm not trying to say that PJ Fleck is a bad coach. Uh, I'm not trying to say that he's done a poor job because he's obviously not. I just read off the numbers. Uh, but the style of play does concern me a little bit. Uh, just kind of relying completely on a running back like they did Mo Ibrahim and kind of like they have done this year with Darius Taylor as well. So it's interesting to think about. We'll see what happens. I'm not against Minnesota. I hope Minnesota does well, but. It is what it is. So, all right, moving on. Nebraska at Illinois. Nebraska uh, won this game twenty to seventeen. Uh, Illinois or twenty to seven. Sorry, uh, Illinois only scored one touchdown in the game. Uh, Alec, what were your thoughts on this one? Woo! Talk about ugly. I mean, this is kind of like a, a I guess, national showing. Unfortunately, on Friday night, of just how ugly this Big Ten West is. Um, I was not expecting too much out of Nebraska in year one of Matt Rule, but I was expecting a little bit more out of Brett Bielema and year, what is this, three or four at Illinois. Their offensive line is, is, is a disaster. Uh, the defense hasn't taken that next step that maybe some expected to, even after losing Ryan Walters and losing a bunch of guys to the NFL. seems like they haven't really recovered from that. 
Uh, Luke Altmaier has been okay. Now, but again, that offensive line is a complete disaster. Only had 21 yards rushing on 19 carries. Uh, that's just not going to get it done. So Illinois is in a rough spot. Nebraska, they're kind of where I expected them to be. In all honesty, I expected them to be around five and seven. Maybe can get to six and six, depending on how the schedule shakes out. So yeah, Illinois, they're zero and three in the conference now. They really have to turn it around. I mean, looking ahead, they they're in, they're really in kind of some kind of rough shape. Um, after that game, especially only having one touchdown, they go to Maryland for a three thirty kickoff. That should they may they may not fit, fare so well in that game. Then they go Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa, Northwestern. So I see three or so more wins in that schedule, but I don't think that's what Illinois fans expected coming into this game. And then on the Nebraska side, I mean Heinrich Harburg is a uh, that's a quarterback name, all right. I mean he led the team in passing yeah. and rushing. Uh, just had some. Not not a ton going on, but just had some drives where, you know, they just managed to get something going. And, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see where these two teams go because, like I said before, it's kind of just like a, a showcase of how much of a disaster the Big Ten West is. This was not a pretty game. It was not, not a good game at all. But Nebraska managed to come out on top. And I think Matt Rule's first season, like I said, is going as expected. But Illinois season is is already taking a turn for the downwards they're they're not looking good right now. Yeah, it's a rough day in Illinois right now. Uh, Russ, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, ugly, ugly game for sure. Outside of the kind of back-to-back Nebraska TDs where if you blinked and missed them, um, there was not a lot going on in this game, uh, especially Illinois. Uh, six three and outs in that game. Uh, the first drive, I think it was, stuffed on third and goal from the one and then fourth and goal from the one. That kind of set the tone, it seemed like, for the game just, just not being – being that great. Um, Altmaier does, you know, continue to show some flashes of future potential. Um, it's amazing that if you watch that game, there's no way you would have thought he had 289 yards passing. Like, I don't know how that, that game looks that putrid and he almost hits 300 yards passing. Uh, but that shows that, you know, there, there is maybe some, some possible good things in his future. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just that, you know, like Alex said, that was not a great display on Friday night for the Big Ten, um, especially the Big Ten West, um, which, you know, that's it's our our final year. It's it's kind of an opposite of the Pac-12's final year where they're looking great on the national stage. The Big Ten West is kind of showing their their rear end a little bit. <laughs> but the thing for me was the the game started out somewhat promising. You know, Illinois, very first drive, they went 14 plays down, you know, uh, down the field, 74 yards, and unfortunately they turned it over on downs. Uh, so, you know, obviously you didn't get the score there, but it was still like, wow, okay, we, we had Illinois put a drive together here, maybe this game could get interesting. And then Nebraska, they put together 11 plays for 86 yards to go down and get a field goal. It's like, okay, we might have a game here. And then the drives after that, punt, 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 you know, like you said, the Nebraska touchdowns back to back, and then punt, punt, touchdown, punt, miss field goal, punt, fumble, field goal, blocked punt, miss field goal, downs, fumble, punt, interception, interception, fumble, downs, end of game. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> the chaos, you know, like, and some uh, of those touchdowns were like one play, I think. Yeah, Nebraska, they had a one play, 25 yard touchdown. Um, Illinois, they had five plays for 76 yards, like, just wild uh a wild game and i don't know maybe i'm just a big 10 west sicko but i love games like this i (laughs) i watch it and i just 
I just love it. I don't know what it is, and I, I the entire time I'm thinking in my head like this is this is the Big Ten. This is how you epitomize the Big Ten. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm a sicko. Who knows? All right, our last game, guys. Uh, Howard at Northwestern. I did not actually get an eye on this game at all. Uh, so if you guys did, props to you. But uh, Howard. 20 Northwestern 23 uh, Howard is an FCS team so that's kind of uh, a, a good FCS team I put the numbers out there they're like top 10 in PFF uh, overall so they're not a bad PF or, uh, bad FCS team in PFF but uh, still should be winning by more than three if you're a big 10 program here uh, Russ what were your thoughts yeah yet another unimpressive showing by the big 10 West right um, Northwestern was 23 and a half point favorites and barely hung on against a 500 FCS team, you know, yes, they were ranked quite well in PFF, but when Eastern Illinois, or I think it was Eastern, Eastern Illinois or Eastern Michigan could beat them by more than what Northwestern can as a big 10 yeah. team. That's, that's, that's not great. Not great, Bob. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it, it was not, I watched the highlights. I didn't get an eye on the game live, but even in the highlights, it just, it looked like Howard was basically in the same conference as Northwestern, the way they played them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, when that's an FCS team, like I said, that's coming in at two and two, uh, not not a great look. Not a great look. Yeah, for sure. Alec, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like you guys were saying, Howard's not a terrible FCS team, but they are still an FCS team. Like Rutgers last week, they played Wagner. Wagner's a bad FCS team, and Rutgers dominated them. I, as a Big Ten team, you just can't go toe to toe with these FCS teams, and. I mean, I get that they were down Ben Bryant. They were down to Brendan Sullivan, who didn't look too bad. No, especially filling in for a starter like that didn't look too bad. The running game kind of got going. It's just it was full. It was a game full of, eh, in my opinion, like the passing game was eh, the running game was eh. The second half was, especially the fourth quarter, was not good at all. Um, but they got off to a big enough lead in the first half that they were able to overcome it. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of just going to be the ups and downs of Northwestern season. In my opinion, they've looked really good and beating Minnesota and they've looked really not good and, you know, almost losing to Howard. So yeah, from here, you know, I think Northwestern really, I don't really know what to make of them to be completely honest. You know, they will probably get Ben Bryant back soon at some point. I haven't really seen an outlook about uh, what, he, what he's looking like. Cause I mean, you know, last week they go toe to toe at at least for half with Penn State. They beat Minnesota in over in uh, in overtime. It's just going to be a whole lot of. Eh. They play in Nebraska next week, so that's going to be another game where I'm I'm really not expecting. Or no, next week they're on a bye. Excuse me, and then the week after that they go to Nebraska. So that's going to be a game that I uh, am going to watch with uh, hands over my head. Just ugly football, but I mean. Honestly, if you're a Northwestern fan, I feel like you have to think that this year has gone. I, I don't think you have, unless you had a little bit too high of expectations for this Northwestern team. I think you would have to say this year has gone about to expectations. But yeah, the Howard game was ugly, and I'm, I, I think it will get better from here. But for now, that was that was an ugly game. That was an ugly game. But I think they'll get Ben Bryant back and look a lot better because he's a solid quarterback. So they'll get him back, and I think they'll get they'll right the ship at least a little bit. Yeah, I, th- I feel like Northwestern has exceeded expectations. I mean, they're three and three. Obviously, this game did not exceed expectations, but they're three and three. Many people were questioning if they'd get even more than one or two wins because people kind of gave them Howard and they said, "Oh, UTEP, they should be able to win that game." Uh, but w- you know, we'll see from there. Um, you know, 
and now they're they beat Minnesota. They're three and three, and I'm looking at it. I'm saying, you know, yes, they struggled against Howard, but if you're a Northwestern fan, you kind of take it, right? I mean, it's like we got three wins. We've competed with in the Big Ten, so uh, yeah, I don't know. So. All right, guys, uh, any final thoughts about just college football in general? Anything uh, going on in college football that you want to comment on before we get out of here? I'm glad. They um, released the schedules for the next five years for the oh, Big okay. yeah. Ten. Um, I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I like the schedules. Um, I feel like I feel like everybody kind of got a good disbursement of the um, the big the bigger teams. You know, the Oregon, the Washington, USC, um, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. I feel like nobody really got trampled with some some uh, really tough opponents there. So I liked that, um, and I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out with everybody kind of playing each other more and seeing what goes on there. Uh, should be should be very interesting. Alec, were you happy with the draw for Rutgers? Well, uh, for 2024, at least, I was absolutely thrilled with the schedule, especially based on what it was like the last time the schedule was dropped, where the Big Ten basically said, all right, we will take the entirety of the Big Ten East. You get them. Uh, we're also giving you UCLA, and we'll take out Indiana because, you know, screw you, you're Rutgers. Um, but then this time around, at least in 2024, they managed to avoid Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State. I believe all of them are off the schedule for 2024. Wow. Uh, they do have to go to L.A., and they do face – I believe uh, USC at home, but I mean, the schedule is there right now. They've had, they had in the non-conference, they have Akron. Uh, then they traveled down to Blacksburg to face Virginia tech uh, for the second half of the home and home. And then I think they still have one open spot, but if you're looking at the schedule right now, from what this Rutgers team has looked like and what their outlook can be in the future, there's a path to a bowl game already next year. Granted, you have to play the games on the field, obviously, but I think Rutgers fans everywhere were extremely happy just to get away from the disaster that was the 2024 schedule before Oregon and Washington joined the conference. And I'll just put this out there. I, I don't think these schedules are going to stick just because the chaos that's going on in the ACC or whatever the heck goes on in any other conference, but it's good to have the schedules locked in for 2024. I just don't think it'll last very long, but I'm happy to have something. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Russ, were you happy with Purdue's draws? Yeah. So um, I apologize for that lag there a minute ago, but uh you know, I thought it was cool that they made sure that every five years you travel to every Big Ten opponent. And that was mm-hmm. probably the biggest worry for a traditionalist that, you know, they're thinking about conference expansion and going, well, is it really a conference anymore if you aren't playing the teams that often? But, um, you know, you'll see some newer rivalries, I think. You know, hopefully Purdue can can give Ohio State some run for their money this year because uh, we play you all, including this year, for the next five years now. So, uh, but we also looked out with getting Indiana and Illinois every year. So. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a good a good spread, but like Alex said, they did this whole show on Big Ten Network about the schedule review and all these cool games that were going to happen, and that lasted what like two weeks. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't guarantee that all these games are going to happen the way that they were they were announced. Yeah, yeah, I kind of look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm glad that you went out to what they got to like twenty twenty nine or something like that. I was like, but are we really thinking that? Florida State and Clemson are just going to stay in that grant of rights in the ACC. Like, I'm not saying they're going to the Big Ten, but, you know, that's obviously been a rumor out there, and that grant of rights is not exactly what they want to be connected to. So it'll be interesting. Did you get Rutgers – or not Rutgers. Did you get Indiana and Illinois as rivals, Russ? Yes, we did. Yeah, I guess because they're both trophy games, they protected those. So, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, that's a pretty good draw. Yeah. And Iowa, I think, is the only one that has three rivals. Um, so, yeah. Who is your rival, Alec? Our rival is Maryland, uh, just because the Big Ten is still trying to force that. You know, you guys came in together, so you guys are going to be rivals now. I guess they should figure out some kind of trophy for that game. There have been a lot of uh, discussions between Rutgers and Maryland fans about what to do. Like someone suggested maybe a crab trap just because, you know, seafood crabs are huge in in Maryland. Um, Or maybe something from like I-95 or something just because that's like the big connecting highway between New Jersey and Maryland. But there's a lot of really good uh, suggestions out there. So. Hopefully the Big Ten takes one of them. Um, and I do find it really funny that Penn State got, like, no protected rivals at all. <laughs> they've been here, what, uh, 30, 30 years now, and they've not made an enemy, so. <laughs> Rutgers fans would disagree, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I do like the idea of an I-95 trophy, though. Like, just get, like, a golden highway, I guess, and, like, put it on a- <laughs> I don't know. That's where my mind goes. So, all right. Well, hey, thanks so much, guys, for joining us. A little bit of a longer episode today, but I appreciate it. Thought we had a good time. Please remember, do go to Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. It's our website, and you can find all of the uh, podcasts there, including What's Choppin' and the Boiler Express and the Big Ten Huddle. We will see you again. Tomorrow.